Hello, welcome Friday Night Fright. I'm your host, Dean Austin, as always, and on tonight's fantastic super Asperdocious episode, we have Paranormal Activity The Markons. <coughs> Sorry, coughing. I'm recording this in the middle of watching the Just League movie, which is an especially terrible movie, as I think everyone can attest to. Um, so yeah, we're going to get going for that in a second. Firstly, sir, by now, de facto, bit of sponsorship, because... No, Ian wants to pave with all those pennies for all his fun little trips and gatherings and terrible movies I watch on this podcast. So I will be back in a second right after this bit of sponsorship. So catch you soon. And we're back. Just a little preamble for I start. Um, Panel Activity Tokyo Nights last week's one's obviously my favourite one so far because it was set in Tokyo and it's different and unique, had a lot of interesting characters and scenarios. I recommend that episode, by the way, very entertaining. One of my personal favourite ones. And also, the episode that played on Tuesday, It's Not That Bad Suicide Squad, which started a semi-regular new feature, which I was quite pleased with. And at the same time, I'd like to announce, I'll go into more detail on this later on, but I'm going to be doing, in May, 31 episodes of 31 Days. Short episodes granted, but it's going to be Shudder Mania 2019. 31 days of every movie I can possibly think of to watch on Shudder Horror App. Shudder Horror App, obviously, for those who are familiar with this podcast from long term, remember that this podcast started life in season one as Friday Night Shudder. Changed Friday Night Fright, but I think as I know to the roots of this podcast, I'll be doing the Shudder Mania month. So that will start on 1st of May and continue to 31st of May. Hope you enjoy it. Anyway, enough about that. It's time for Paranormal Activity The Mart ones. Um, yeah, it's probably my most anticipated movie when I was originally watching Paranormal Activity once. And an interesting movie in its own right. Um, so yeah, I'll be getting to that just now, just after the Celestial Navigation pseudo-opening title music. So stay tuned. And here we go with Paranormal Activity, the Mart Ones recap. So we start in America, as most Paranormal Activity movies do, in a graduation ceremony, no less, at Oxnard. Not quite Oxford, because there's an N7F, but also there's an A7O. Hmm. Oxford. Anyway, teen, some teenagers fuck about making fun for... Of what is actually a cool day? I should, I should. I think we're always that age make fun of graduations. I know I make fun of my university ones, both of them. But at the same time, maybe we should look back on them and think that's actually a pretty awesome day. Or no, I mean, get to celebrate your smartness, which is always fun to do. We have a Hector and Jesse as our two main characters because. This is Spanish slash Mexican, and why not? Why not embrace the stereotypes immediately? As Ice Cube said in 21 Jump Street, embrace your stereotypes. You also meet Oscar, whose brother is a gangster, because why not cut down a list of cliches and stereotypes that we can go through as fast as possible? Later on, there's a party time, and we get some exposition about the camera. Apparently, it costs $300. And also some orphan banter, which I know is a favourite part of mine in horror movies. You know, you get joked about how F1's an orphan. A block party ensues, 
with much booze and not a single stereotype. And by not a single stereotype, I mean not, sing not a single one because there's a countless number of stereotypes. Discussion for the local witch and her kids kits off, uh, which is quite a nice way, nice way to slut shame a middle-aged woman. We've got to make these characters as likeable as possible. They decide, Hector and Jesse decide they're going to catch some thugs on camera and then run off. I really don't think Hector and Jesse are particularly smart, but you know I've been proven wrong before. We get some jackass pranks now as we go back in time. Um, these pranks are about a decade too late. Uh, YouTube is mega mega thing at this point, but jackass isn't. I mean, it's still made a few movies after this point, but it's pretty much dead. You also get multi-camera mode, which is a bit of variety. You know, it's not great. It's not split screen from Tokyo Nights. And it's, but it's a step above that bloody awful connect shit from Paranormal Activity 4. Hector lands on his dick, falling downstairs. Which, you know, happens. They look up and see Oscar flee the witch. As he does the walk of flame. Well, it's less fleeing and more walking, I guess. Some cooking takes place, and they're really embracing the Spanishness and Mexicanness of this movie. I know Spain, Mexico are different countries, but this movie doesn't seem to discern between them. The subtitles literally say Spanish means spoken. We get some tequila as Grandma is drunk and she starts to sing. Sounds of the witch having loud, kinky sets echo throughout the apartment. Hector and Jesse MacGyver camera so they jerk each other off, but discover but as it's to a woman getting what what I write? Anyway, yeah. It's not gay because they're doing it to a woman having sex. So it's it's cool. I don't really know what the point for that exchange was, but there you go. We get the classic bit of dialogue, it's a naked woman, big ass titties. And I think it's finally time to admit that these this franchise has actually got round to making sense tape. Which is quite um shit because this is blow awful. <laughs> grandma appears and freaks out how creepy this is, and I'm with grandma. It's pretty goddamn creepy that these two arseholes, these guys who come across as very much teaching chong but without any of charm. Have MacGyver the camera to record a middle-aged woman having sex with a smaller, younger woman, I guess. Naked and her vagina blocks them. And then she relaxed to their moaning and swearing. And at this point I write I wrote the creepy fucks because this is really creepy. Like even at the time watching this, it, it's a bit like when I watched Project X and I was like, I feel genuinely uncomfortable watching this because it doesn't feel like an entertaining movie. It's this isn't entertaining. This was always creepy as fuck. Really creepy. Anyway, later on, Jesse dances with his dog while Hector B boxes. That's literally, literally what happens. I can say that properly. Literally shit. Literally what happens. That that small scene. My rambling lasted longer than that scene. They start discussing of the female bro, Martisol. I don't know what sort of name Martisol is, but I'm not going to make fun of it because it might be a national name. A kid in their block is dead to knock on Anna's door. 
he does, and Anna appears and curses them out. I mean, you're shitting wrong here. You assholes knocked on her door and called her a witch repeatedly, and suddenly she's in wrong. So this movie is, it's not going for a shades of grey. I think we're meant to relate to Hector and Jesse, but they're such assholes. Like, Hector and Jesse set off fireworks on the roof like a couple of arseholes, and these are two of the least likable characters I've seen in a long, long time. And I think directors are blamed for that, because they clearly said to Hector, guys playing Hector and Jesse, just set off some fireworks. Gave them nothing to work with, and guys just... It's like, if you hang out with your friends and they were doing stuff like this, you might laugh, but in a movie, it's like, it's not fun, because we don't know these characters. They're interrupted. Oscar leaps for a window. He runs and jumps off the roof and flees into the distance. Some cops appear at Anna's. Police tell Jesse turn the goddamn camera off as we see Anna's body is removed. A manhunt begins for Oscar, whose brother we discover is head of the 805, which I guess is neighbor gang. Um, gangs in America apparently are rooted in like postcodes. Well, area codes, rather. So, 805, I don't know what area code that is. But... Mark Soul says that maybe Hector and Jesse should tell the cops what they saw. Hector and Jesse say that smoking weed instead is a better idea. And have a re-racist discussion about Jamaica. And then it's like breaking two hours. And I, I don't want to say too much, but... I've never seen a situation or heard or been privy to a situation where... Two guys smoke weed and then decide to break into a dead witch's house. That doesn't strike me as something they would do. But what do I know? Hollywood clearly knows what smoking weed is like. They break into Anna's recording all because why not? Apparently they're high and stupid. Anna's house looks like a murder house. There's loads of books everywhere but they don't let see them. I assume they're all cryptic um Necromoncon style books. They find some anal beats but don't linger. I only think they know what they are. Jesse decides to jump scare Hector because god damn it this movie has to have jump scare and it's not really succeeding on the actual scares front. They find a nursery which is pretty weird as Ang had no kids and these characters are pretty on board I think you can agree. Fidget takes the where including copy of Paranormal Activity 1988 on VHS. It's worth a lot of money. Actually, that's the point. Why didn't they release Paranormal Activity 1988 on VHS? Or well, here's a better question. Why wasn't it shot like it was made in fucking 1980s? Sorry, I'm angry. I get angry when from Paranormal Activity 1988 and realise here's what you could have done. A dog barks and Arturo shows up. He says he's going to murder Anna. Hector and Jesse mind Arturo, Oscar's brother, and Anna is dead. Arturo stands by what he said, and the scene just ends. That seems like maybe there's a bit more of the scene? Like, maybe? Possibly? No? Okay, that's fine. Jess is sleeping as Hector Samurjo's his face. And if you don't know what Samurjo is, it's when you get dick paint on your face, and then you wear it as makeup for like five months as part of a terrible storyline where you are part of the nation violence, and you're... Managed by a fat former wrestler. And you're literally sloppy and terrible in the ring. It's nice to see some mergers turn the wrestling career around. Because TNA, God, they fucked me hard. And anyway, also, 
look, we're all 17 once, but past 17, this just isn't funny, and it also just isn't cricket. Like, why would you do that? Why would you draw a dick on some face? Anyway, we also find out that Jess is a bite mark on his arm, and if you've seen Paranormal Activity movies before, you'll know that this is taking place an hour before it usually does. Chavo, the dog, starts growling at him, then he flees. Notice I'm saying we're fleas a lot, and I'm not talking about what's on Chavo's back and um, what's on Jesse's face. Marzo sees the um, Samurjo and starts laughing, noting that Jesse is a literal dickhead. Jesse fumes when he realises he has a dick drawn on his face. Meanwhile, they read up on witchcraft and discover a time travel door. And at this point, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? These movies ask you to accept a lot, but time travelling doors? You haven't even shown the fucking ghost demon yet. And you have time travel doors? You're moving too fast, franchise. And also not fast enough. Also, wait, did I miss a couple of scenes? Because this doesn't make any sense. Why are they reading up on witchcraft? They believe she's actually a witch now? Why do they believe she's a witch now? How do they have such easy access to witchcraft when characters from Panel Activity who have more money couldn't find any books on witchcraft despite literally living in an apartment and not, not even working and having countless amounts of money? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I just about pay fucking rent every month. I can't afford no 50 books on witchcraft. And even if I could, where the fuck would I get them from? You know? Like, ah. Also, Marcel points out that Toby is half Mexican because we've got to have our um, slight, slight connections to this movie. Later on, or meanwhile, they played the green, green, red, yellow, blue game. I don't know what it's actually called. Fucking post the link on Friday Night Fright Twitter account. You know, fuck this game's called up. Or leave a review if you know what's called up. Fucking care. And he asked Mexican Toby to join. Toby thinks Jesse is handsome. I disagree. Knows Hector isn't black. And sees what card Jesse is holding. Then he terrifies Grandma who confiscates the game. Right. Okay. Um, later on, or meanwhile, Jesse rides a bike. Then Hector and Jesse play basketball. This scene adds so much to the movie. The two of them try to hack a vending machine later on. The two members of the 805 appear. And they want a camera, which, you know, it's $300 camera. Of course they want a camera. Jesse is attacked and knocked to the ground. He then uses telekinesis to KO both thugs. Hector and Jesse are startled, but they flee with the camera. At this point, when I first watched this, because I've obviously watched this a bit and this recap is a bit silly, but hey, go when you first watch this, it got to this point, and I was like, fuck yeah, superhero movies. I love superheroes. I think that this was going to go a uh, sort of superhero way, and it kind of does, but at the same time, in retrospect, this is shit. <laughs> it's shit. It's really shit. I know I kind of usually leave my opinion to a movie, but don't let my words fool you. This is shit. This is really bad. This is not a very good movie. And it, and it's not a very good movie because it goes, it changes up tropes of what you expect from a paranormal activity movie by having a bit more action in it. But at the same time, this 
literally is definition for fear episode because none of this has any bearing on anything that goes forward. None of it. So, actually, and also at this point, if you watch this for the first time, when you stop and think, do I put Cronkle in by mistake? Because this is really turning Cronkle. And I have to believe that this was inspired by Cronkle to a large extent because it's literally found footage superhero shit. Which Cronkle, I'm not going to call Cronkle masterpiece because I don't think it is. But it's a very well constructed movie. And this is not a very well constructed movie. And the thing about Cronkle was. It had the script of a standard superhero movie, but the acting and directing was very much rooted in what if this actually happened, so it lent a certain gravitas. This doesn't have a good script, and I'm not usually I won't say Matt Landis can write a good script, but he struck gold with um Cronkle and Josh Trank. It's one of those lucky accidents, I guess you can say. But this does not have a good script. In fact, I don't think this has a fucking script, to be honest. Marcel, Hector and Jay study game footage of the um, KO, the vending machine. Back to colour game. Toby isn't playing at first tonight. He's a little shy. And then he points out that he's not Jesse's fucking guardian angel and hesitates when asked if he's good. He's not good. He's shit. He's a shit little boy. It's not Missar, it's a very naughty boy. Jesse tests out his powers. We discover that he can levitate, and we discover that Hector can't. We discover that Jesse can super jump, and we discover that Hector can't. We also find out Hector Jesse have super breath, Hector doesn't. They upload the videos to YouTube, but are mocked endlessly. Hector accuses critics of jacking off to R. Kelly. Well, I think in retrospect, I don't think critics were... Sorry. I think in retrospect, I don't think critics were ones jacking off there. I think it's probably R. Kelly, and it's probably very inappropriate. <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> Jesse tests out... Well, I've already done Jesse testing out his Hector and Jesse crash the house party. Yes, you do. Jesse tricks a woman into a kiss, which is kind of creepy, but she's into it, so what I know. Jesse then realises he has the ability to buy super amounts of alcohol. And Jesse, I had that ability once too. It doesn't really merit any positive results. Good memories though, if you can remember it. They take two women home for, you know, the sex. But discover that Grandma is sleeping and they think, oh, that's adorable. And they decide to go to Anna's before a woman lose their female boners and decide it's cute and so flow. So, like I said, they go to Anna's, and at this point, I'm also thinking, why, what, why would you go to Anna's house? How is the house not a fucking crime scene? How many days have passed? The one fucking movie where you need to let us know what the passage of time is, and you don't let us know what the passage of time is. How fucking long has passed in this movie? I have no idea. Title card, something. I know you're not pretending this is actually real anymore, but at the same time, that's even more incentive to have fucking title cards letting us know what night this is. <sighs> Hector and Jesse's site split up. Jesse and a woman by the name of Pernella Bear go to the paint room. 
Oh, it's time for a sex tape. Penelope says that she wants a shit fucked out of her. And look, I'm sure there's some women that talk like this. I'm sure there are. But I don't believe it for a second in this scenario. And I think it comes across as fake. I mean, this whole movie's fake, but you know what I mean. It's not... This isn't very convincing. It seems like someone, some guy off screen has told this actress to say that. And she has. She's not saying lying. Jesse Jesse remembers that he forgot a condom, if that makes any sense. Like an arsehole. And he doesn't bring up until she brings up. Like, what, was he just that stupid? Are we meant to think Jesse's a virgin? He doesn't understand he needs a condom sets. Are we meant to think he thought he could raw dog it and go bareback and she wouldn't notice? Because, Jesse, dude, there's a difference between your penis in a condom entering her vagina and your penis without a condom entering her vagina. She'll know the fucking difference. You know? Like, what the fuck, Jesse? Jesse runs out and get a condom. Penelope's horniness disappears as she starts realising what's going on, and also that she's in the house, the flat that used to be owned by a dead witch. Jesse seems to be gone for hours at this point in one of the most ludicrous scenes I've seen in a long time. Like, where the fuck is he gone? Why is he taking so long? She literally looks like she's been there for about 10, 15 minutes. So naturally, Oscar emerges through a trapdoor. That's not a euphemism, by the way. Startling Penelope and grabbing her by her hair in a scene which doesn't really go anywhere. Enough point. Why, why was Oscar down there? How was he down there? How long has he been down there? Don't expect any answers. This movie doesn't give a fuck. Oscar and Penelope both flee. Jesse appears from around the corner? Who the fuck was Jesse? How did he get around the corner? Jesse's very confused, so naturally he goes exploring. He accuses Hector of collusion, and hey, I've accused teammates of collusion in the past. You don't want to do that lightly, so I'm going to say. The bathroom's empty, and shower water's running. Jesse goes to the bathroom, pulls the shower curtain to the side and turns the water off. He turns around and sees Oscar, who looks pale and gaunt as shit, who starts talking about how Anna corrupted them both and about how weird she is in bed. Jesse points out he never fucked Anna and he starts getting really concerned when Oscar says they should form a suicide pact. Jesse says we're not forming suicide pact and Oscar naturally runs off. Jesse chases Oscar shouting out Hector about where Penelope and her friend were. Hector says they're in the house because they didn't want pay actresses to say more lines. And somehow Jesse manages to lose Oscar. Oscar then Ruth jumps through a car in front of Jesse, startling him, and Oscar's apparently dead. Well, no, wait a second. The demon was helping Jesse levitate. Was Toby helping him levitate? Wasn't that the thing? So how fuck did Oscar jump through a car? Did the demon not want Oscar as part of his team anymore? Like, what are the rules? You're breaking rules you haven't even established. Jesus Christ movie. Meanwhile, Hector, Marisol and Jesse enter Oscar's cellar. It's so dark and dingy. Plastic bags everywhere. 
That's that shit is back. A picture of Jesse when his baby is there. And where's the picture of Anna, Jesse's mum, and Grandma Lois from Paranormal Matt 1598. She's also in photo with Anna and Jesse's mum. And that's like really bad Photoshop. But at the same time, why the fuck, where the fuck's Grandma Lois gone? Is that going, is that she going to go anywhere with Paranormal Matt 1598? No. The equivalent of that fucking photo of Lost with, um, Fucking Desmond's priest and where Eleanor, wherever the Faraday's mother, wherever the fuck she was. And there's a like bad photoshop of them shaking hands. They never explain it. Like, no, what the fuck? Footsteps echo above them. They wait until footsteps disappear, look up through the trapdoor and see a woman leave. I don't know who it is. It doesn't look like Katie and it does look like Grandma Lois, but it's a tall white lady apparently. Jesse tries to rationalise the bat store over this fucking franchise. And Jesus Christ, mate, I've done all these recaps. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Jesse starts pulling... Like, meanwhile, Jesse starts pulling worms out of his eyes. And he looks very sick. Electricity starts to flicker. Jesse says that his dad needs to go away because why would we possibly have a coherent parental unit in these movies? He- Meanwhile, Hector, Jesse, Martinsell visit Arturo. He shows them Oscar's room, which is a batshit insane bat cave. Arturo says Oscar researched witches, and Arturo thinks that they're starting some sort of orphan army. They find an article on Ali from Paranormal Activity 2. Yay, continuity! I think it's cross over time, but it's not, because first, we have to go... To a 7-Eleven, yay! Oh man, variety in set pieces. Jesse's fuming at 7-Eleven. He says Hector needs to back up. Jesse's really freaking out because he starts thinking about things and he's very scared. Some dude starts talking Martisol and Jesse's like, oh hell no, Essay. Jesse says the guy needs to back up. Because Jesse's about to go loco. Says the guy needs to back fuck up before he gets fucked up. He's quite a biscuit now, guys. He shoves the guy. And when the guy shoves him back, he uses paratechnesis to knock the guy clean across the store, smashing over the display stand at the time. The manager starts telling Jesse to get the fuck out. Jesse pushes the manager verbally and says, Yo, you want peace of me? So the man pops out a baseball bat and goes, Boy, I'm going to bat you in the fucking face. Jesse's like, hey, why don't you bat me in the fucking face? The manager's like, I'll bat you in the face. Jesse's like, yeah, fucking dare you bat me. So manager tries to bat him, but Jesse catches the bat and he's like, oh man, I'm going to bat you. Manager runs off going, don't bat me. Jesse's like, I'm going to bat you wrong fucking face. And he starts batting glass and manager hides behind and manager's like, fuck off. And Jesse's like, I'm going to bat you. But Hector Marcel Pongway. True story. The next day, Jesse pouts, saying he lost control. Shit ain't fun anymore, and dude, I hear that. These fucking movies are the absolute driveling shits. I'm so tired of these. I'm recording this at 8.49 on a Tuesday after a full day of work, and you miss watching Just League. This is fucking excruciating. Bring on Shadowmania, guys. Bring on Shadowmania. Anyway, back to the colour game. Toby is shy tonight. Oh, you shy boy. He's such a shy boy, that Toby. Then he starts fucking Jesse, refusing to leave him alone. 
And then batteries are removed. And I think, oh man, it's a machine gun come to life, but it doesn't come to life. That's the end of the scene. <sighs> Jesse searches for Java, and I'm like, what is this, an episode of WCW Monday Nitro from 1998? Apparently, Java is in Oscar Seller. And I'm like, what? How's he in Oscar Seller? I don't know what's going on. Jesse investigates. A shadowy figure appears behind Jesse. Never told who it is. Jesse ventures into the cellar, past the plastic bags, where he finds 1988 Kate and 1988 Christy. Holy crossover. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? How's that make any sense? So wait, what? hold up. Are these the actual kids? Are these the actual kids? Are these ghosts? Because Kate and Christy aren't dead. Christy's dead, but Kate isn't. And Christy died in her 30s? Late 20s? Not when she is 8 years old. And also, these aren't the actresses from Paranormal Activity 1988. They're not the actresses. So what the ever-loving fuck is going on? Are they time-travelling ghosts? This franchise throws out questions and answers. They throw answers to questions no one asked. And when you ask them, how does that make any sense? They don't answer you. What is going on? Why are Kate, 1988 Kate and 1988 Christy there? What the fuck? Jesse realises this doesn't even make any goddamn sense. He tries to leave. But I, I fuck it. Grandma Lois lock, kicks the trap door shut. Why not? Jesse starts freaking out and hears a kid cry behind him. And then he sees a dark red ominous force from behind plastic bags. Toby, I guess? Like, but I don't understand because Toby in this scene looks as big as Jesse, but in other movies he portrays a child. So I have no idea what the fuck is going on at this point. Uh, meanwhile, Hector visits Jesse. Apparently, the word muse is written in shit on the wall. And look, you know, I know you don't like classical comforts, Jesse, but that's a tad harsh. Oh, that's mouse. Well, fuck it. Same thing. Jesse demands gets camera back and says he's going to make a movie about Hector, recording Hector on camera. Hector isn't sure if he'll play in China. And I'm thinking maybe he's right because I don't think any of Paranormal Activity movies are played in China. Mark Song Hector contact Ali. She recaps, recaps Paranormal Activity 2, filling in Paranormal Activity 98 and Paranormal Activity 4 plot holes. But she doesn't do a very good job because those movies still don't make any fucking sense. And also, how can fucking 1988K and 1988K time travel? As the kid says, I don't understand. I don't understand. She, Ali informs us, fucking Ali. Paranormal Activity 2 Ali informs us. Paranormal Activity 2 Ali informs us that anger affects young men to create demon soldiers and at this point I'm like oh my god that doesn't make any fucking sense that doesn't make any fucking sense that doesn't make any fucking sense what the fuck is the end game for this franchise I have watched for contest I've watched all of these movies I have no idea what Toby's plan is. I have no fucking idea what his plan is. I don't know why it involves witches. I don't know why it involves fucking demon winter soldiers. I don't know why it involves 
the firstborn of Kate and Christy? Oh, fucking linearity? Lin I don't know what... I don't know why Kate and Christy act like their mum's alive when she's not. I don't know where Kate's friend from Paranormal Activity's gone, the one who may or may not have freeway with Kate and Micah. I don't know why Ali is giving out this information but doesn't seem terribly concerned. She's just... I won't blame the actress because I don't think that the Ali actress's fault when she's literally asked to show up for one day's filming in this piece of shit movie... And probably not given the scene. Probably told, here's a fucking book. Improvise a scene. So she did. And, oh, this is just the fucking worst. Grandma freaking out. Right. Meanwhile, Grandma freaks out. Jesse and Toby discuss Adam Sandler movies as Jesse uses Tennessee's torture to have her. And I'm like, that's double torture. In fact, Doc knows who Adam Sandler is. He's fucking... Terrifying. Naturally, a visit to an anti-witch store ensues as a cleansing is required. <sighs> a shit has been bought. The cleansing can begin. Grandma sets up some eds. Grandma sets up some eds. Sorry. Grandma sets up some eds. I can't say that. With and have it make any fucking sense why is she setting up heads? Jesse isn't convinced and also isn't compared. Jesse grabs grandma's wrists then slices them open and then he has a seizure. seizure. What is going on? The lights go out. Night vision time. Jesse's vanished. Cue a loud buzzing. Reality flickers and Jesse appears in midair, screaming while he uses Tennessee's to throw shit around. And I've got to be honest, that is one of the most fucking laughable things I've ever seen in a horror movie. I won't even say the effects are bad. That is just fucking ludicrous on so many levels. I genuinely don't know what the rules are. If they can rework reality, then what the fuck is the end game? Hector, Martin, Soul, and Grandma Flea. Sorry, they prayed Jesus. Hector goes to investigate. Jesse lies in remains of his ruin. He's out cold. Hector lists. Hector lies that Jesse's okay. Grandma tries to finish the cleanse. The next day, Jesse looks like shit. Grandma vanishes, and so is Jesse. Water runs from a shower. Hector turns it off. He finds the front doors open. And Jesse's at the top of the stairs. Apparently he's thrown Grandma to her doom. Or she tripped. I mean, she, she was very drunk earlier. But Hector starts freaking out. And I begin to realise this scene probably would have tremendous emotional value if I get... If for two things. One, I gave a shit about these characters, which I don't. Two, I had any idea what the fuck was happening, but I don't. Just for context, I have... Two degrees in, I have degree in cinema studies and television studies, and I have a PhD, P, sorry, a BA in cinema studies and TV studies, and a master's in advanced script writing. I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie. Absolutely no idea. I don't know how any of these scenes flow together. This doesn't seem edited so much as it seems released. 
My song to discuss how Jesse's vanished. You don't see Grandma again, by the way. They site follow Ali's map and site it's time maybe to ally with the 805 to murder some witches. Or they would except castles. Jesse approaches them. He climbs all over the car like a cat. And at this point, I'm fucking laughing. I mean, this is so, so bad. Jesse attacks Hector. Might as well bats Jesse with a bat. Then that's surprised that he's out cold. The fuck do you think is going to happen? Like, if they think it's going to work, why do you hit him with a bat? And if you did think it's going to work, what do you think is going to happen afterwards? It knocks people out. They just try driving away, but some witches ram their car. While Hector Martisola banged up, trying to recover, the witches kidnap Jesse. That sounds like far more interesting than it actually was, by the way. Naturally, Hector and Martisola enlist Arturo and one member of the 805, Santana. At this point, I'm really wondering whether they're intentionally being as stereotypical, cliche, borderline race as possible. Anyway, Arturo says it's time to fuck some witches up. Like, he literally says he's going to smoke some bitches, which Me Too movement, I guess, doesn't really have an effect on old, terrible sexist harm movies. They storm compound, Hector recording all. Why is he still recording, by the way? Despite fa- other than the fact that we need him to record, why is he recording? Why does any- Why does this movie have to be found for it? I'm just going to say that. Why does it have to be found footage? And don't say because paranormal activity movies need to be found footage. Because it doesn't. At this point, all it needs to be a paranormal activity movie is to be about Toby. And this fucking ridiculous plot that makes even less sense than Fantasy's plot in Avengers Infinity War. All you need is Toby the ghost. You don't need found footage. This movie would be vastly better without found footage, but at the same time, it wouldn't be made because they couldn't improvise stupid, incoherent scenes if it wasn't found footage. <sighs> they hear rustling all around them. The first door they find is locked. They explore the place that's empty. Shit, some more shit's locked, as Arturo points out. It's locked up, shit's locked up tight. Hector approaches a white door. He opens it. Inside finds some mannequin heads and lights go out. Hector pops on camera light. 805 dude breaks the lock. Arturo, Hector and Marcel approach some stables. They're stopped by chained up women who beg them to release them, but they don't. A witch startles Arturo, who blacks her with the shotgun. Marcel screams because she just witnessed a murder. Hector points out to Arturo and another witch is coming, who Arturo blasts out. out. They call out for Santo, who we discover is dead. Hector and Marzo enter the house, blocking the door and letting Arturo go to his doom, I guess. We never see Arturo. I don't think we see Arturo again. Witches try to smash it down. More witches approach the house from each angle. Hector finds a ritual room. When he turns back to speak Marzo, she's vanished. How do these people keep vanishing? Hector starts freaking out. He looks from Marcel to Nervale. Then ceiling collapses and Marcel's corpse goes with it, smashing against the floor. A witch quotes Event Horizon as Hector runs into a closet. He holds the door shut. The noise eventually stops. 
This is not tense, by the way. Hector warily exits, finds the place is eerily quiet. Jesse appears. He chases Hector upstairs. Hector's trapped until he finds an old door. He doesn't want to enter, but Jesse smashes the other door down to get Hector. So Hector goes through the old door, and lo and behold, he travels back in time to the original Paranormal Activity movie, because why the fuck not, you know? He's in the kitchen. Possessed Katie walks downstairs. Hector approaches, still recording. Katie freaks out a random bloody Mexican man caught on 2011 camera and screams. Sorry, guys. Right. Okay, I'll finish this bit. Micah runs downstairs and knocks Hector down with one punch. Katie then turns on Micah. Hector runs, but is taken down by Jesse, who growls and I guess eats him. There's a few seconds and then Possessed Katie turns the camera off. Okay, pause. Like, okay, so... Do you remember how Paranormal Activity ended? Katie went downstairs, Possessed. She screamed. Micah ran downstairs. And then Micah was murdered by Katie. But we didn't see how or what happened. And then Katie threw Micah into camera upstairs. And the movie ended there. So what this movie is trying to ascertain is there's a bit more saying than they kept off camera for obvious reasons, where Katie, possessed, suddenly came unpossessed and realised there's a strange man in the kitchen recording her, it's covered in blood, screamed, Micah ran downstairs, knocked this man down, Katie murdered Micah, and then Jesse murdered Hector? But I... Where did Hector go after this? Where did Jesse go after this? Did Jesse and Kate go back to 2011? Did Jesse and Kate go back to 2011? Did I? Did they use the magic time traveling door? I mean, I don't, I don't really understand. Like this takes the off-screen nightmare. Like Paranormal Activity's ending was effective because you had no idea what the fuck happened. Some people have alleged they heard multiple voices downstairs. On subtitles and in background. It's creepy. This isn't creepy. This is fucking ridiculous. This is really, really stupid. And it makes Paranormativity even worse than it was. It's the equivalent of like... If they made a Blair Witch sequel... And you saw that there's a monster in the woods... And it's composed of sticks... And it looked like Swamp Thing... It's like if they did that, but who would do that to Blair Witch? That would be stupid. If there's a stick monster which could channel names, and if you turn around it murdered you, I mean, that'd just be fucking stupid, you know? Who would do that? Anyway, this was Panel Activity, the marked ones. Um, I'll be back in a few seconds with my wonderful review, so I'll catch you shortly. Well, that was awful. <laughs> um, but almost there, you know, I mean, I can't do more in-depth reviewing that because this was a really, really bad horror movie. Um, it was actually, for a time, my favourite Paranormal Activity movie because I blacked out how boring most of it was and I liked the fact that um, witches were being taken down by shotguns. But at the same time, it's like, that's not enough. Especially at 34 years old. That's not enough anymore. Seeing witches get taken down by shotguns. 
I'm so done with these movies, guys. I really hate these movies so much. But one left. One left, which is a, the really weird one. Very strange movie, Panel Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Makes even less sense in these movies than this one or the other ones. Um, but at least shit happens, I guess, because it's a finale of the movies and finale of my Paranormal Activity coverage, because despite that, I've bought every fucking movie at this point, which I'll probably never watch again. Um, I, I'm never... I'm done. I, I, We walk away after these movies from recovering Paranormal Activity. So what's up next... Half Paranormal Activity, Shazmania. Like, say, 31 show movies in 31 days, which is going to be very tiring. But a rewarding experience. I want to try something new. And so the seasonal episodes are going to go on hiatus for a month. And then we come back with two episodes. So 19th season two will be on first Friday of June. And then week episodes after that. Um, yeah, so... Looking forward to that, and hopefully I'll try and throw a few more bonus bits here and there, but um, I don't know, would anyone be interested in Avengers Endgame? I, I suppose not, because someone spoiled that for anyone, although I am seeing premiere of that on premiere night. Anyway, thanks for tuning in Friday Night Fright. Remember, you can catch us on Twitter at Friday Night Fright. Um, remember, you can catch us on all your favourite podcast platforms, and... Yeah, if you want to leave a review, great. If you don't, that's cool. And hopefully you'll tune in next week for the end of Paranormal Activity movies as the push for Shazmania begins. I'm Ian Austin, and remember, life is beautiful. <laughs>